Good afternoon. Welcome to the channel. Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Market that saw some negativity in the corn and the beans. Uh, the wheat complex with some positive numbers. Unfortunately, on the livestock side, unless you're looking at class three milk, everything else was to the negative. A lot of uh, factors that we got a WASDA report out later this week. Everybody's still talking about South America, what's happening weather-wise. From a Chinese perspective, there was a drop in their pork prices. But no surprise. Everybody is talking about the turmoil that's happening around the world. And that's what we're going to start out with is Mike Zuzalo joins us today. Mike is with Global Commodity Analytics. And Mike, not a lot of market reaction, but still some market reaction to everything that's been happening. Yeah, I, I think that's a great way to put it, Susan. And thanks for having me back. I, I think this market's kind of dancing around or waiting around for more information. It's a, it's a bit more tepid than maybe a lot of us thought it would be given Sunday night's trade. Um, one of the big things that I've been watching the last several weeks has been the relationship between the two-year bond yield and the Bloomberg Grain Index. And, and on a certain amount of time, that relationship has been anywhere from negative 90% to a negative 100%, meaning that the two-year bond yields mean a lot to the grain markets right now, especially those indexes that track the grain markets. And as of today's close, that number still sat at a negative 90%. And so in that respect, you're right. It didn't really, uh, in Israel, the news really didn't move the dial much. I, I think the way I'm lining this out with clients and subscribers is this conflict, um, if it moves into a war, in other words, if Israel moves in terms of a land attack into Palestine, I think that would suggest that Iran would then step in and and go to war with Israel. And, and the reason I'm lining it up that way is because history suggests that the bigger the conflict becomes, the more dramatic and meaningful the crude oil market is to the rest of the commodities and the rest of the, the riskier assets as a whole. And if that wider conflict occurs, history suggests that Arab nations – i.e. Saudi Arabia, who was looking at peace with Israel just a week ago, um, would probably have to align against Israel again because they're part of that Arab nationalism that continues to move back and forth for and against the West. And that's what history would say from the late 60s to the early 1970s. And just to give the listener an idea, um, what happened in the late 60s with some of the wars that occurred with Israel and Egypt and other countries wasn't a big move in terms of the crude oil prices. But by the time we got to 1973-74, when it became a larger conflict and, and the Arab nationalism became more entrenched, that's when we had those big uh, import uh, restrictions and, and Saudi Arabia led the way for not putting oil on the market to the United States. And essentially, crude oil moved from $3 a barrel here in the United States in late 73 to $12. That doesn't seem like much, but that's around a 300% move. And so that's kind of the mindset that I have working right now, waiting to see what develops the next 24, 48 hours, and then try and attach that to Thursday's WASDI report and juggle an, an immense amount of uncertainty in the, in the middle of that. There's a lot that's going to be taking place and how the markets react. And then uh, the fact that uh, if things going to pick up again, I know there was uh, some more port attacks as well in the Black Sea region. So that just adds a whole nother level that the markets are trying to watch before they even focus on the WASDI report coming up. 
Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up, too, because I think this is an issue where the the Paris wheat market was able to stay very strong, gains of almost 2% on the day, and that maybe helps explain why the wheat market was able to hold in there so well with such a surge in the U.S. dollar and also that turn in the bond markets where the dollar, the bonds, the gold, and the crude oil, they have become safe havens. Now, what I cannot explain very well is the rally in the equities markets as you and I go on the air and and, uh, put this down as far as the final bell uh, recording. I I think it probably has to do with the rally in bonds and some short covering in the equities just from the mechanical algo-related type funds. But going back to the Black Sea um, issue with the ship uh, there being uh, hitting a mine, I do think that that has created an, an environment now where the instability in the Middle East the trade starting to wonder if that wouldn't, you know, expand into the Black Sea again because Russia is um, part of the friend group, if you will, of Iran, and uh, Russia is also talking about this afternoon uh, going after grain facilities and grain ships in Ukraine if they think that there are weapons or anything military on them, and so this is all part of the dynamic of a hot spot in one area could envelop and create, you know, an increasing hot spot. Uh, in an area that was already, you know, under a lot of conflict. So do you think that's part of the reason why we saw the wheat trade like they did with green on the screen? Yeah, I do. And and yet I'm also hopeful that that doesn't go away after the WASD report because um, the average trade guess heading into Thursday's numbers is essentially no change from September's uh, WASD number of about 258.6 million metric tons world wheat ending stocks. But, Susan, I think between Australia and Argentina and even Europe, with that crop being lowered by co-cereal last week, um, I think we could lose 3 to 5 million metric tons of production. And so the low range of the estimates that I'm looking at right now is 255 million metric tons. That's pretty much where I'm at right now. I think we could lose 3-plus million on Thursday's report. And if that occurs without a drop in demand, that will even tighten not only the world stocks to use ratios to at least a 10-year level, um, but it'll also probably decrease the amount of our competitor stocks that they could put on the market for export. All right, well, stick around, folks. We come back. We're going to finish taking a look at this WASD report. What do we could see from both a corn and soybean perspective as you as you look at those numbers and they settled out today? Still some negativity happening in the corn and the soybeans. So we'll dive more into that. And then, of course, what happened in China with their pork prices? A lot to look at as we get ready on this Monday for the second half. It's the channel final bell right here on the Rural Radio Network. Challenge. It's not something you shy from. It's a chance to up your game. Every day brings a new challenge. But with the Enhanced Channel Seed brand on your side, you can rise to it. With our top-performing seed, innovative digital tools, and expanded agronomic support, you can turn tomorrow's challenges into your next advantage. Your Enhanced Channel Seed brand. Let's rise to the challenge. Learn more at channel.com slash rise. Read and follow pesticide label directions, IRM, grain marketing, and other stewardship practices. KRVN. Welcome back to the channel. Final bell on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. We're continuing our conversation this afternoon with Mike Zuzlo. Mike is with Global Commodity Analytics. And, and Mike, let's kind of jump into the WASDE from a corn and a bean perspective. Uh, first off, with this corn market after a negative trade today, um, are we focusing, getting ready to see what these numbers might say? 
Yeah, I think we are, Susan, and I think this goes back to the beans continue to be maybe the weaker suit of cards, not just from a WASD standpoint, but also from uh, the, the low Mississippi River levels, which is not abating, and it may not give us any kind of a break here as we as we move through this corn and bean harvest very, very quickly. Granted, we're two points behind, it seems, uh, the trade estimates each week uh, on the updates, which we didn't get because of the Columbus Day holiday today. But I think overall, I mean, I've got clients just north of me, 20, 30 minutes that will be finishing up by the end of this weekend. And I, I think in some parts of this country, we're going to have a record speed in terms of harvesting. And so that takes you back to the Mississippi River and the export market for the soybeans. We can get some beans out the Pacific Northwest, but that's probably just the beans in the Dakotas. Um, and, and so that really kind of traps the beans in the mid part of the country. Corn, however, has the benefit of Mexico and those big, big export sales we saw with Mexico being about 60, 63% of those last week. Um, I think that opened the eyes of the trade that we've got foreign demand and it's good demand. And that maybe on this WASDE report, even if we get a corn yield increase, um, we may see the bean uh, export demand um, taper off again and USDA cut that, whereas the corn, uh, maybe we won't see that. And I think the other thing that has to be plugged into the WASDE numbers and see where it all shakes out on the supply demand tables is that green stocks report. It did show the corn uh, September one stocks, the lowest since 2013, 2014 marketing year. So we're at a 10 year low. And I think all these things together along with extra Brazilian beans uh, to compete with us against um, probably explains a lot of the reason why the beans have continued to lose to the corn uh, as we head into the WASDE report, the question will be, do the beans continue to lose to the corn after the WASDE report? Because that's a very fund-driven um, and, and a very good, uh, I think, marker to use, leading indicator to use to get an idea of where the funds are. And so that lead month support in beans, 1256 and three quarters, is a pretty big number to me. How much weight? is put on the October WASD compared to other months? Yeah, you know, that's a good question. I would say because we didn't have a government shutdown, this report is going to be very, very important to kind of line us up with how much farmers are going to store and how much farmers are going to sell. Um, because I do think, and then this is a conversation I've had probably half a dozen times in the last week, is with producers that are making 60, 65 bushel yields in soybeans and still can get 1240, 1230, maybe 1250, off the combine, that's 800, roughly $800 an acre of gross revenue. It's hard to turn that down. And I think the one thing that the producers are waiting for is this report. And so we may see quite a bit of cash movement and cash related selling off the combine uh, once this report is out. All right, switch page over to the livestock side. You brought it up um, before we started the program about China and pork. Now there's been a drop in some prices. Uh, what are you hearing? Yeah, this is a tough one for me because I thought we were kind of out of the woods in China when it came to the supply demand. I mean, I've been worried about the recession in China in China and how severe it is. You and I have talked about that on previous final bells. Um, the issue that I saw in today's news was a big drop in the, in the Dalian um, futures of 4% plus. That was led by um, some big uh, public traded companies in China seeing big drops in their share prices, 5% lower, for instance, with New Hope. And that's a, a key uh, com a company I track that is big in the meat industry over in China. Um, New Hope's uh, uh, people said on Monday that their sales in September for hogs fell almost 24%. 
And uh, that really helps support the idea the recession is very severe in some areas. And it also helps support the idea that China is probably still oversupplied. And so I was hoping pork would be and hogs would be a real support to the cattle as we got into 2024. I'm kind of backing off of that and reevaluating that. What about seasonal demand right now for the cattle? That, that is going to be a tough one for the cattle rancher because, I mean, October pork month, obviously. I, I think the biggest issue kind of goes back to the Middle East here at this point, um, Susan. It's a lot harder for the livestock market to go up like the grains could go up with crude oil because crude oil could equal lower stock prices and it could support the idea that a recession here in this country and therefore consumption in this country is almost almost certain to go down from here. And I think that's a real issue, especially if the dollar goes higher, because then you have higher imports and lower exports to add on top of recessionary consumption pressures. So I I think we're in a tougher um, situation than we've been probably the last year. year. What's the best way for folks to get a hold of you, Mike? Best way is globalcomresearch.com. It's globalcom with two M's, research.com. Sign up for a trial there and take a look at our product services. All right. That's been the Channel Final Bell being brought to you by Channel Seed and your local channel Seed Professionals right here on the Rural Radio Network.